From inside the zero-gravity toilet with the really complicated instructions... It's the Digigods! Now, please welcome the two Discovery crew members who never woke from hibernation, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Thank you, Corey. You know what? It almost sounds like Corey is actually here in the room with us. I'm not. What? I'm not here. You're not here. I'm not in the room. You're not. No. Well, that's interesting. But I will be later. You will? Okay. When now you least I'm, expect it. Now I'm completely confused. Corey, you know, enough, enough with the shtick. Corey, thank you for being here to do a live, an actual live intro for our, our first official Digigods show. You're welcome, but I'm not here. Okay. You're not here. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Is what I would say if I were here. Okay. Well, that was that was something special to have Corey not here, actually. I, I think, um, I don't know how I feel about that. Mark, we are... Uh, untethered. We're untethered. Untethered from the shackles of those slave drivers at IGN. <laughs> so we here we are. We have uh, the evolution of this show over the years. We began this, uh, for those who are just tuning in, so that you understand the evolution of the show. Not that you should care. We began as the uh, Box Office DVD Roundup, affiliated with Box Office uh, Magazine, boxoffice.com, and then uh, migrated to become the DVD Digigods, momentarily independent, until we uh, signed up with uh, IGN as a sponsor, and then had many, many good years with IGN as the IGN Digigods. And now, because we are untethered, and uh, we are uh, shortly going to be launching our own parent site, the uh, synagogues.com, just synagogues.com, not the... Synagods.com. So we are now just the Digigods, just Digigods.com, Digigods podcast. Uh, all of your all of your subscriptions and your RSS feeds and all of that stuff should transfer over um, fairly seamlessly. If not, by all means, just make mention of something on the Facebook page, the Digigods Facebook page, or email us at gods at Digigods.com. Uh, for those who are new subscribers who are just joining us, we welcome you. Uh, we are going to try and expand this podcast uh, over the short and long term. We are, we've always been focused on DVDs and Blu-rays, and of course we'll in, in the coming months be focusing on as well. Opera? On the, more opera? More opera, yes. Wow. i, I got to tell you something. That's, <laughs> actually, that's the reason why I was hoping we'd go independent, See? we talk more opera. Exactly. There's not enough, vo- there's not enough Wagner not doing, in podcasting. We're not doing any more opera. I'm making that <laughs> promise right now. No opera. And and all that Peppa Pig crap. Oh well, my yeah, daughter loves go. my daughter loves Peppa Pig. Okay, so then I'm, let I'm, her love Peppa Pig. But okay. Well, in any case, just don't care. We um, uh, we are you know the the next big thing is of course uh, UHD Blu-ray, high def uh, 4K Blu-ray, uh, <laughs> as opposed to what is currently basically 2K Blu-ray. 
Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of a uh, lot of latitude for what we can do now on this podcast, and we can certainly deal with uh, streaming and VOD, and there are a lot of things. So, we don't want to go. We don't want to spread our. We don't want to spread ourselves too thin, but we want to make sure that we do uh, what you guys want us to do. So, by all means, email us at gods at digigods.com. Send us your questions, your suggestions. Do so on the Facebook page as well. Uh, we're going to get our our Twitter feed up and running as well, and make that active and. Um, uh, we will also be um, encouraging a lot of discussion on the uh, on the Synagogues uh, blog site as soon as that's up and running as well. So a lot of opportunities, and of course we have our Vox Box uh, feature, which is uh, you know by just record yourselves asking a question, and we'll cut it into the show, and you become part of the show. So send us Vox Boxes. We still have one banked, which we will uh, not include on this show. We'll, we'll uh, do that on, uh, on a future show, but we would like more. So anybody out there who wants to uh, feature their voice on this show, ask us a question, send us the audio file, and we will drop it in. And that will be a Vox Box segment on the, uh, the new DigiGods podcast. Uh, so with all that housekeeping out of the way, we have a couple of giveaways this Wait, week. Wait, did you thank everybody for joining us? Thank you, everyone, for joining us. They have come with us from sometimes... Some of these people have been with us since box office. We have carried you through the wilderness (laughs) on our backs. That's what we've done. And we apologize. (laughs) And we (laughs) deeply and profusely apologize. Uh, So, yes, we've got new movies. We've got television. We have classic movies. We've been off for... for, Okay, okay, hang on. No opera. No opera. Any kid vid? No. Good. No opera, no kid vid. No British television. Great. No, no giallo. So everybody, uh, giallo's fine. No Japanese erotica. That's even better. Okay. Okay, so everybody, your prayers have been answered. There is no opera, and there is no British television. But we do have ballet. That's terrible. <laughs> no, there's no ballet. Yeah, I just uh, want to make sure that the lines are drawn. You know, uh, by the way, a little bit of news, breaking news as we were uh, going to record. The, the, the Happy Birthday is no longer copywritten. You know, Warner Chappelle and those sisters who wrote the thing, their estate or whatever, they've been raking in millions over the years by claiming that they have a copyright on Happy Birthday and people have to go to them and, you know, you got to pay them royalties if you're going to just – even if you have somebody just go, Happy Birthday to you. Like we would have been billed for that if I'd have just done that on the podcast – 24 hours ago, we would have had to pay royalty money to Warner Brothers. And uh, a judge just ruled, nope, sorry, done. Public domain, all over, gravy train, off the track. This is, the, this is the sort of stuff you'll be learning on the podcast. Aren't you guys excited <laughs> to be here? It's fantastic. It's fabulous. Anything else you want to say about uh, 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 copyright law? Sure. We, uh, I was at, I was, not copyright law, but I was at Disneyland last week, took my daughter, my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, for her first trip, and uh, the highlight of the trip was not a ride. It was the, when she met Minnie Mouse. I've ne- she's never lit up like that in her life. It was unbelievable. Did you take a picture? Yes, we did. Oh. And, Disney, and Disneyland took a picture, too. Aww. And gave us a card, and, and they want to charge us $12 for copies of it. Did you buy a copy? I, we might. <laughs> what do you mean you might once you leave the well, park? We, isn't that it? No, no. You, you, you go, you'll, on, the you go on the site and you do a whole thing, yeah. yeah. I, anyway. I've not been to Disneyland in many years. Pirates of the Caribbean is closed for like another week or two. Pirates oh. of the Caribbean. The oh, ride, the whole ride. Uh, they're, re, they're uh, I don't know, vacuuming or something. Lame. Yeah, whatever. All right, Mark. Let's let's dive into it. We've been off uh, for a few weeks, and uh, we need to uh, we need to catch up on some stuff. And uh, some big movies have come out in the ni- in the last few weeks and this week, and we should talk about some of them. Well, we should talk about the fact that I just dropped all those DVDs on the uh, yes, you on did. the ground. Let's talk about that. Okay, exciting stuff. 
Uh, actually, we're going to talk about Furious 7, because, you know, when the uh, Fast and Furious movies started, they were just uh, really high-octane B-movie crap directed by Rob Cohen, and now suddenly they are, they, they are literally putting Universal Pictures in the black, single-handedly. It's amazing. Universal Pictures in the black, thanks to the Furious series. You know, the, the, honestly, this is what is amazing, is that it was supposed to be the year of Disney and the, Adventures, and the Avengers. It still will be. When, when Star Wars comes out at the end of the year, it'll still be Disney's year. But they're not going to, this year, it's, it, that, that's going to be big money for next year with Star Wars. 2015 belongs to Universal without any superhero movies. Jurassic Park? Jurassic World. World. World yeah, Park. Jurassic World and right. Furious 7 are essentially what put them over the top. That's crazy. But ev- even movies like like uh, Straight Outta Compton. Yeah. That's a universal film. True. That's, a, that's gangbusters. Yeah. yeah. Right? Didn't cost that much. Doing no. great. Anyway, Furious 7. I mean, they took a road racing series and they turned it into a, like... A juggernaut. Well, it's not even road racing anymore. They're spies now. They're, they're, they're spies. Working, they're working for the government and they're, you know, doing James Bondy stuff and it's... You know, it, it's, I mean, the way they, tra- whoever, whoever's responsible for transforming this franchise into what it is now is kind of a genius because the original Rob Cohen film is a terrible movie. It's well, just a bad road racing movie. And well, uh, you, you know what helped was, uh, was The Rock. When The true. Rock joined, yeah, that kind of gave true. it that tent poly feel. You know, and of course, in this one, you have Paul Walker, who of course uh, died uh, before this one was completed, and so his brother did some uh, double work, and uh, some computers did some double work, and uh, he's definitely uh, worked his way into this one. And I think this is uh, fine. Uh, you know what? These Furious movies—they're uh, really, really inane. But there's—you know what? It is it's sort of like it's—they're—they're—they're—they're it, they're, they're, they're like a sugar rush. Yeah. It's—it's it's just stuffing your face with Snickers bars. Like well, it's, this just, it's, it's a sugar rush. You enjoy it while it's happening. You feel bad about it afterwards, but you know what? There it is. It's gonna, it's going to live beyond Paul Walker too. It will. I mean, are you kidding? This, this thing made so much money. You, Universal is, is going to make Furious eight, nine, ten. Yeah. They're going to milk that thing forever. They, well, be, Paul because it, like whatever. Yeah, because it's an ensemble cast. As long as they keep throwing in the newest, coolest, hippest person. As long as they keep sprucing up the ensemble cast, uh, you could, in theory, go on forever with this thing. So, so. the Blu-ray looks beautiful. The uh, There's a bunch of Blu-ray exclusives. Um, there's an extended edition of the film, which is like another three minutes of a bunch of car chases. There is deleted scenes. There's a, a, a featurette about the cars and how they did all the stunts. But ultimately, you're there for Fast and Furious and to see Paul Walker one more time. And, uh, yeah, you know what? These movies are, again, they're, it's, it's total... Adrenaline fueled junk food. Uh, on the from the uh, ridiculous to the even more ridiculous um, movie called Reality. Uh, this is a a little independent film that is worth noting because it's from a director by the name of Quentin Dupieux. Uh, Mark was a fan of Quentin Dupieux's uh, big kind of breakthrough I, film Rubber. I was about not. the tire. You liked the tire movie. I, I you know what, you? I, I I I thought that movie was. Completely ridiculous. It n- knew it was ridiculous. It thought it was trying to get away with something that meant a lot more than what it actually was. Yeah, the movie is just ridiculous. It was shot on an uh, on a on a on a an HD uh, SLR camera too, like a you know. And people would like assign meaning, great meaning, to a movie about a tire that rolls around the desert killing people. 
very as strange. If it was, it, as if it was some sort of like, you know, a, a test of, of, of how you can intellectually overinflate a movie that is essentially just ridiculous. Well, Quentin Dupieux is is a the, the the director of that film and the film we're talking about right now, Reality, is uh, he's a he's a French recording artist. He's originally known for kind of avant-gardist, you know, house music or whatever, and by the name of Mr. Wazo, which means Mr. Bird. And uh, he got into movies and started making some very very eccentric movies. Um, the first one, obviously, that broke through was Rubber, and then he made a movie called Wrong uh, about three four years ago which was horrible, just dreadful weirdness, made no sense whatsoever. And uh, now he comes up with Reality, which is an improvement. I think it's probably the best film of the ones of his that I've seen. That doesn't mean that I necessarily like it. Uh, This comes to us from Shout Factory. We love the people at Shout Factory. They will do well with this, uh, despite the fact that I am not a a Dupieux fan. But there's almost no way to actually explain this. Um, French uh, actor Alan Chabat is trying to get a movie made. He's a director, and the only way he can get it made is if he finds this perfect groan sound. And then everything just gets into it. It's just weirdness piled on top of weirdness, piled on top of meta stuff, and, and, you know, things you you drift kind of in and out of the the movie's reality. And it's just, it gets very self-reflexive and self-consciously weird. And I'll say this, Dupieux does a good job of, of the, the, his unique brand of weirdness. If you if you see it, you go, "Ah, oh, it's totally Quentin Dupieux." Like only he does weird stuff like that. But I just don't quite get the point. I uh, it's an acquired taste, I guess. So whatever. I did not see it. However, wait. Now we should talk about uh, Entourage, the movie. You know, this was. Do we uh, have to? Yes, we do. It was based on the HBO show, oh, um, and uh, they finally made it into movies. This is sort of like the uh, the guy version of the Sex in the City movie. Yeah. You know, like all the women went, they freaked out mm-hmm. and went to go see the Sex in the City movie, yeah. and they did it in, in gaggles of girls giggling and eating popcorn and whatever. Why, why the was guys it, had entourage. Why was this series popular? I, I just I don't. don't I mean, I, I have watched as much of the series as I can possibly stomach, and I, I it, you know, whatever. Because ultimately, it. it was about, a, it was, you know, ultimately, it was about a bunch of dudes who enjoyed being dudes, and bro, they were dudes, and that resonated with a lot of guys. And uh, that led to Entourage, the yeah. movie, which is just absolutely terrible. This thing is just so shallow. It's just it's just like this cameo parade that somehow is supposed to be funny in and of itself, and it's just not. There's no need for a film version. There's no place for these characters to go that are particularly interesting. So it's not like I miss the characters. The thing's got it's got no energy. It's just really just a desperate, unfunny, lame movie, and there'll be no entourage too. I can tell you that much. Special features include uh, some stuff on Vinny Chase, Vincent Chase, the main character, um, Doug uh, Ellen, the guy who created the show, uh, deleted scenes, a gag reel. This thing is just really—it's almost like an arrogant movie. It just—it just—it thinks it's so hot, but it's just lame. Well, it's also kind of sexist too. I gotta say. Well, too bad. Although Gary Busey's in it, and Gary Busey's always in it. Oh, well, Gary Busey. Come on, makes, Gary Busey. He makes every movie better. He really does. He's like, uh, he's like, he's like relish on a hot dog. Ketchup. I like ketchup on hot dogs. I'm going there. And by the way, okay. and by the way if, if, if the Mets make the playoffs, which you know what? I, you know what? I, as Met fans are trained not to celebrate until the game is over, mm-hmm. and even after the game is over, we may assume that the win will be rescinded by the league the next day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just say, in the off chance that the Mets make the playoffs, they would play the Dodgers. 
Uh-huh. So I would oh, be going wow. to all the games at Dodger Stadium. Well, we'll put the show on hold for that, the duration of that series, if it happens. And by the way, do you know who, who is offended by ketchup on a hot dog? Is Dirty Harry. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. He, he just he could not believe a man put ketchup on a yep. hot dog. Yeah, uh, you know what? Ketchup and relish. That's it. I'm happy as a clam. Yeah. I, well, I, I, I'll also I, be dead as a doornail if I eat too many on, of them. Onions. Like I, like, I, I like chopped onions. That's good, too. Yeah, I like chopped onions. Okay. Uh, the Age of Adeline is one of those immortality movies. These bounce around every once in a while. This is on a Blu-ray, DVD, digital HD combo set. The digital HD, of course, is ultraviolet. Watch it anywhere. Uh, this is from uh, Lionsgate. Courtesy of uh, Lakeshore uh, Entertainment, Lakeshore Pictures, who you know put the thing together. Uh, the, the, directed by Leton Krieger, this is not a uh, this is not a terrible film. It's just a familiar kind of uh, myth myth making fairy tale movie with Blake Lively as a woman who at twenty nine uh, should have died. She it's a it's a you know she's in a horrible accident, near death experience, and for whatever reason. Uh, you know, the film gets into it a little bit. Uh, she becomes immortal. She now she doesn't age, so she has to keep uh, sort of reinventing herself through uh, the, you know the next uh, eight decades or so as everyone that she's ever loved uh, you know grows up around her and you know her daughter and yada yada yada. And uh, it's it that's essentially it. It's you know what do you what do you do when suddenly all your loved ones age and you don't? Interesting question. Great existential. Uh, Dilemma. Uh, some lovely performances. Blake Lively kind of comes of age here. Uh, I, I have never been a huge fan of hers I, until this moment. I thought, okay, now I kind of get it. I, I see what you can do with her. So I think people... Oh, if they, I'll do something with oh, her. Oh, I'm sure. I, I opened you up to that one. Uh, but I, I think, you know, certainly there's a future now for Blake Lively as, a, as a, a leading lady, as an ingenue. I think she'll start to get bigger parts because of this, even if the film isn't quite all that. Harrison Ford shows up and uh, tamps it down mercifully, gracefully. Uh, it's nice to see him kind of, you know, take a haircut that way. Ellen Burstyn, we rarely see her anymore. She's wonderful. So I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, it's not a great film. It's certainly very familiar. But it, uh, you know, for that kind of schmaltzy stuff, it is head and shoulders above, uh, what's it, who's that guy, with the, the notebook guy that writes all that, uh, that uh, Nicholas gunk. Sparks. Oh, God, yeah, no, it's head and shoulders above that junk. Speaking of head and shoulders, Wade, I was a big fan of uh, Love and Mercy. Love and Mercy is the... This is uh, a great movie. Great movie. This is Brian Wilson's story. Made no money. I know. You know what? They, it just, it, they released it at the wrong time. It was, it was, a, it was a summertime counter-programming gamble, and those sometimes pay off if it's like, you know, Little Miss Sunshine was one of those, wasn't it? Sure. And, and Fox Searchlight kind of always specializes in that kind of stuff. And, man, this, was, uh, it, this just felt like, well, you know, the Beach Boys, and it's summer, and... Yeah, you know, the, the 40 and older crowd will totally go, oh, yeah, shine on, Furious 7 and Avengers. I'm going to go see Love and Mercy. And I, 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 if I'd have been an exec, I would have greenlit this thing, and I would have done the same thing. It just didn't pan out. For some reason, nobody went to see it. But if they re-release it, I mean, obviously it's now it's It's awards time now. They should it's awards time. It's they really should put movie. it in theaters again. Even though it's on Blu-ray, they should put it in theaters again. I agree. I yeah. think this is not only a great, a great visual evocation of what mental illness looks like, but yeah. it's also a great look at the creative process. Totally. Musically, all those 100%. scenes with the Wrecking Crew inside the studio are just fantastic. And by the way, I'm just going to say that... Uh, the dual performances are fantastic. Yes, it's I a mean, real chance. It's a, John, it was a chance. But. John Cusack and Paul Dano, uh, I mean, yes, they look a little bit alike, they, and they both look like Brian Wilson. And if you look at pictures of Brian Wilson at various ages, spot on. I mean, but to, to coordinate those two performances is really impressive. And John Cusack almost cares. 
He has not <laughs> given a performance where he's cared in a no. long time. He's been on the uh, the uh, Nick Cage train. I of know. Just kind of coasting. Why is that? It's just know. you know. Anyway, this is a terrific film, and I, we we cannot recommend it highly enough. It has some deleted scenes. By the way, it was directed by a uh, by a producer and film executive, Bill Polad. Yeah. Like who you know who, who thought that he would be this uh, this interesting, empathetic. You know, visually inventive director. But Bill Poland has worked with so many great filmmakers that it's it's no surprise to me. I mean, he's it, it, I, it just he he cares about the material. He's worked with great filmmakers. He knows how movies are made. He he has all the connections. He surrounds himself with really good people. It's uh, it's terrific. Love and mercy. Good Love stuff. and mercy. Really good stuff. Deleted scenes, uh, featurettes, audio commentary. You know the usual stuff. It's all fine. But it's it's a it's a great transfer. It's beautifully shot. So evocative of the era. It's really really great. Uh, on DVD only, not on Blu-ray from BBC, is Queen and Country, uh, the new film from John Borman. You know, um, this is a sequel to Hope and Glory from 1987. Um, and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, why would John Borman make a sequel to Hope and Glory? Like, whatever it's been. We're like 30 years later, practically. Um, I don't know. He, he just wanted to revisit uh, the, you know, his autobiographical account. And uh, if you ever saw Hope and Glory, which for my money was the best film of 1987, which is the year that The Last Emperor won, that was the year of childhood in World War II. There were four movies that dealt with childhood in World War II that year. The Last Emperor, partially, you know, childhood, World War II-ish. But then there was Hope and Glory, uh, Empire of the Sun, the Spielberg film, and uh, Louis Malle's Au Revoir les Enfants. Kind of a weird theme for that year. But Hope and Glory was far and away, in my mind, the, uh, the best film of that year. It was brilliant. This is not quite so brilliant. Uh, the uh, the idea here is that Bill Rowan, who is basically the uh, fictitious John Borman, he's now grown up. The war is over, and uh, you're you're getting into the Korean War era, and he's now you know in the military, and things are changing in England and changing mores, and you know there's certain politics in the military. The stakes are not as high here. You don't have World War II and bombings and Hitler in the background and having to relocate the family, and you know none of that stuff is going on. So it's not the stakes aren't quite the same, um, but uh, some great actors here. Uh, David Thewlis is wonderful. Um, uh, Richard E. Grant is in here. I mean, you know, he, he gets some good actors, and it it it's, it does it does it honors Hope and Glory without transcending it and without being as good. And you get a nice featurette on the making of it, and uh, it's perfectly acceptable. No one from the original cast is in this except for uh, the dad. The dad from uh, Hope and Glory comes back, and they put a lot of makeup on him and dye his hair, and he almost looks like he's, uh, he's the same age. It's kind of weird. Creepy. Yeah. Creepy-ish. And then uh, Cinderella uh, is the latest comeback film from uh, Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh was sort of, you know, he'd done all the Shakespeare films. He was dead and buried. Frankenstein more or less just destroyed his directing career. And then somebody threw him a bone with the, uh, the Thor movie. And suddenly he's hot again and he's getting all this A-list stuff. And they handed him Cinderella. And it's freaking amazing. Uh, it's absolutely wonderful. It includes a, uh, a new Frozen short, Frozen Fever. It has the Disney Anywhere uh, equivalent of Ultraviolet, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the digital HD format that is exclusively Disney. And it's just absolutely wonderful. Uh, this, it's a Blu-ray, DVD, and Disney Anywhere a- digital HD combo set. You get additional scenes, uh, ton- you know, the, obviously the uh, Frozen Fever short, and tons of featurettes. And it's, it's absolutely glorious. It's fantastic. Uh, our good friend Claudia is quoted on the box. 
and um, for, for USA Today, which where she no longer works, oddly enough. But uh, uh, interesting little alternate uh, alternative opening is on here as well. But it, it, this is just an absolutely beautiful film, and uh, you would have thought that this whole Disney thing of you know doing live action versions of all their animated films would be really sort of cynical and, and not really pan out. But I'll tell you, I mean, this is delightful. They really make it its own. The animated film is what it is, and this is what it is, and they both occupy a wonderful space. And uh, I've got to salute them, even though they, they've got this whole princess industrial complex thing going that feels really manufactured. Uh, handing this to, to Branna was exactly the right thing to do. So I applaud them on that account. It's a great film. Uh, uh, wait, before we talk about Pitch Perfect 2... Mm-hmm. Uh, not a great film is Aloft, which um, otherwise has a good cast: Jennifer Connelly, uh, Killian Murphy, and Melanie Laurent. This is one of those movies that uh, thinks it's really important, but actually we're all we're laughing at it. Um, it's about Jennifer Connelly stars as a uh, as as this woman. She's a mother, and she might possess these mystical healing powers. Maybe she doesn't. She had abandoned her son after a tragedy, and the tragedy is slowly revealed. Uh, in flashbacks, all I'll say is that um, that the uh, the husband here is into falconry. I mean, any movie Ooh. that any movie about falconry yeah. is already too uh, mm-hmm. up its own butt and high yeah. and mighty for uh, me to care about. Yeah. So this is one of those movies that thinks it's being just so insightful, but actually just narrow and shallow and just really just ridiculous. It's got one of those twist endings that mm-hmm. uh, by the time you get there, you just don't care anymore. And uh, this is really just a dive off the, uh, the, the the shallow end of the pool that thinks it's being deep. It's called Aloft, and uh, I'd pass on it. Uh, Pitch Perfect 2. Oh, dear. I love Pitch Perfect. The original Pitch Perfect is a fantastic movie. It's one of the, one of the best pure commercial entertainments uh, I, I think I've ever seen. Just wonderful in every respect. You've ever seen? Ever seen. Wow. It is. It is great. It's a great Ever movie. Seen. It is a fan. It is so much fun. Ever I, I get seen. chills. I get goosebumps watching that movie. I enjoy it so much. Uh, Elizabeth Banks, who produced the first one and is is in it, obviously, and has some very funny moments. Uh, directed this. This is her directing debut, and she does a fine job directing it. Not as good as the director of the previous one. The director of Pitch Perfect was, you know, came from Broadway and has a has a whole staging style. She's very competent. She knows how movies are made. She puts it together well. Uh, the problem is, it's just it's uh, Haley Steinfeld is the only new addition here. And uh, it does the Rocky Three thing, which is it immediately dethrones the champions, and then the movie sort of goes through the motions again to regain their glory in a competition against this psychotic German a cappella team. And um, it's got, you know, it tries to throw in cameos, but it just, it winds up feeling very, very forced and recycled. It is unfortunate. It has its moments, it's not bad. But uh, it's a tall order to live up to uh, to the previous film. It really is. So uh, you know, it's 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 okay. Uh, Blu-ray, DVD, digital, digital HD, ultraviolet. Um, but you know, they can. I, mean, I know they're doing a third one. I just I don't know where you go. It's the same thing over and over. It's it's just it's like the uh, uh, what's the, uh, the 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 cheerleading series. Oh yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, 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 ju- the jump curse, it up, do it, do, curse do it and dunce up. thunce thing. Yeah. There's yeah. been like four of those. Yeah. But just they, another but cheerleading competition. Oh, now they go to Europe, and they're going to do a thing in Europe. Yeah. No. And now one of them grows up to become a cheerleading teacher, and then she goes, and then <laughs> then they reboot it that way. Yeah, well. By the way, I saw The Martian. you see The Martian yet? 
I, you know, I was going to, and I just I wasn't able to get out to it because it, it, it was it was too hot. <laughs> it's been hot out here. It's ridiculous. It's, it, you know what? I got to tell you, over the weekend, it was like living on the sun. It's insane. It was like three degrees cooler than it's hell. It's going to go all the way through October. Uh, it, it can't. No, it's, it's just not. it's Is just it really? like yeah, it's disgusting. It's hot and it's humid and it's it's nasty. I don't know what the what's the deal, what the deal is. It's like bring on the El Nino at this point. Seriously, I'm sick of this. Uh, all right, Mark, shall we uh, blow through some you television? You didn't even ask what I thought of The Martian. Oh, The Martian. Yeah, that's right. You were talking about The Martian. Don't spoil it for me. How is so it? So what happens is he gets <laughs> he, abducted by aliens. And he comes to the Martian. earth, and he, and he hides his flying saucer in, uh, in, uh, in Tim's garage. and uh, his own butt. And then the, Who's the Tim? Mrs. Brown brings over her cookies and, uh, and, and detective. My favorite Martian. Oh, my favorite Martian. Oh, come on. There was a guy named Tim in that show? Yeah. I, it's been many years <laughs> since I've seen that show. I watched an episode like four days ago. Anyway, yeah, uh, so the movie how- is—it's uh, good. It's—it's yeah. it's not the—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a return to form for Ridley Scott only in the sense that it's not a it disappointment. Doesn't suck. <laughs> it doesn't suck, but it's not like he's not turning the screws like Alien. He's not ringing it for the emotion. Actually, one of my issues with the movie is that. And I guess the book was this way too. Mm-hmm. Is that it's funny? It's a self-published book, you know. Yeah, it was, a, it, was uh, a, it was a big deal because it was he just threw it up on Amazon and said, "Here's my book, The Martian." Goodbye, and it sold, and then the, they made a movie, and that's now right. the guy's laughing all the way. <laughs> yeah, good for him. Yeah, I know. Um, so I, I don't know that the, I don't know that this movie needed Ridley Scott, but Ridley Scott needs this movie. I yeah. mean, he 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 needs a hit. He needs someone to say yes. He can He's seventy-seven years old. I know, right? He's seventy. He's, he's still Woody Allen is seventy-nine. I know. You know. And people look at Woody Allen as like the old, like the oldest of the old codger directors. Is Ridley Scott only two years younger? But Ridley Scott has started directing movies in his mid-forties. That's the thing. He you know? yeah. I mean, with, with with the Duelist, he was what forty. He was like forty-six. Yes, not yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, because he has spent all those years doing commercials yeah. and whatnot, but. Yeah. Um, yes, it, it's it's good. It's not Ridley Scott good. It's not yeah. like oh my god, he's turning the screws. He's really ringing it for all that yeah. survival adventure. You know, it's funny. There's a lot of disco music in it, and you're like, really funny disco music? What does this have to do with anything? Like, uh, you know, yeah. it's so it's not. It's it's good. It's good. Yeah. But it's not what the first rule of <laughs> reviewing a film is: yeah. don't review the film you wanted them to make. Yeah. Review the film they it made. Is. But that being said, yeah, all right. uh, there was too much disco in it. But it's good. No. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so, anyway, you know what I saw this afternoon? I saw uh, St- uh, Stonewall. Is it good? Uh, it's, uh, Roland Emmerich. It's fine. The, the thing is, Roland Emmerich is, um, you know, he's a very, very commercial filmmaker. And I like it when he goes to try to make a real movie. Like, I'm one of the few people that really liked Anonymous. I thought Anonymous was terrific. I, I have a certain uh, stubborn appreciation for the Patriot, which I think is deeply flawed. I think this is more like the Patriot, like the, this is basically treats the Stonewall riots and the gay rights movement the way the Patriot treated the American Revolution, uh, kind of in the very same sort of you know blacks and whites and uh, you know on the nose melodrama. There are a lot of scenes where you'll roll your eyes to just go really. You like like you, you're just gonna, you're gonna give me that scene for the nine hundred and fifty thousandth time where somebody walks up and they see the, the, someone else kissing somebody else and then they get upset and they run away and then that person runs after them. It's like, do I really need that scene? Like, just because it's you know men, gay men, it doesn't make that whole. I mean, shot for shot, that it's thing. It's still a cliche. It's still a cliche. Uh, making it gay just makes it a you know gay version of a cliche. But anyway. By the way, this is the new show. We could talk about movies now. We can talk about movies. All we want. We could talk about anything. We could talk about, you know what we could talk about? We could talk about food. 
We could, but yeah. I, I have baked nothing. Uh, well, that's okay. All right, let's burn through some television real quickly. Um, we got a lot of stuff to get to, and uh, we're halfway through the show, but there's a lot of stuff to get to. So um, some new CSIs are out for those who, who uh, haven't gotten enough. CSI, the original CSI crime scene investigation, uh, is out with the final season on DVD. Uh, audio commentary on uh, a couple of episodes, and Ted Danson still looking uh, sharp and slick. We also have CSI Cyber, the first season, which I... So, but, so Patricia Arquette wins an Oscar. And then she goes into CSI Cyber. That's what I was just going to say. It's like, really? That's what you're going to convert wah, your Oscar wah. into? Well, anyway. Uh, can't, you know, I've never been a CSI fan, so I can't say that CSI Cyber really somehow reinvents the concept in any way that I, I find all that appealing, but uh, whatever. Uh, you know, uh, but uh, let me just give you a couple little uh, vintage TV recommendations real quickly. Uh, you may have forgotten about The Bold Ones, which starred Leslie Nielsen and Harry Rhodes. Uh, this is Leslie Nielsen back when he was doing serious stuff, and he was like a serious, you know, dramatic television actor uh, back in the 60s and 70s. Good stuff. Um, pretty cool show. It was, you know, this is, this is like pre-CSI investigative television cop stuff, and uh, it's all right. It's all right. This is when they don't have all that science going. So that's the complete series of the very short-lived The Bold Ones, The Protectors. It, uh, it, it, it played okay, but didn't really last very long. And then uh, we get a collector's edition of uh, the Carol Burnett show, The Lost Episodes. Um, this is uh, the first five seasons available for the first time in 40 years. So uh, check it out. That's, uh, you know, the, uh, the Lost Episodes finally out from Timeline. Speaking of finally out, you know what's coming out on, in uh, December? You can't take it with you. Oh, really? Brian Cappridge, you nice. can't take it with you. Coming out, finally. Very nice. One of the best films of 1938. Very nice. This is good stuff. Also, Wade, uh, we didn't, uh, it's a little old now, but uh, should we talk about uh, Criterion's December titles that just sure. announced? Sure, do it. Do it. Okay, Wade, you ready? Ready. So, thumbs up or thumbs down? Downhill Racer? Uh, thumbs up, for thumbs, sure. Thumbs up, for sure. Michael Ritchie, yeah. Yes. Better believe it. Uh, Jellyfish Eyes. Don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, Speedy, absolutely. Yeah. Harold Lloyd, love Harold Lloyd. Totally. Uh, Burroughs, the movie. Oh, that's going to be, I hear that's really good. Yes, documentary, about 20 years old. That's good stuff. Yeah, never seen it. And, uh, that's it. Yeah. So the big one is Downhill Racer. Now, Speedy, I have an, I have a great, uh, DVD box set of all of these great Harold Lloyd films that are now being released individually by Criterion on Blu-ray. And while I would love to get all the individual Harold Lloyd Criterion Blu-rays, this box set, you know, is just gold. It's got all this great stuff, and it's it was only like forty bucks, and it's out of print now. But I'm keeping that instead of buying uh, all this Criterion stuff. For sure, it's expensive. I know and you won't give them to me. No, because you keep them all for yourself. I do. How many Blu-rays do you have? How many DVDs and Blu-rays do you have now? I don't know, three hundred and forty-seven thousand or something. Exactly. Like that. Uh, also for vintage television fans, seasons one and two of Sisters is out. I always enjoyed Sisters, not because it was any good, but because it had a Seal Award in it, and I, I was just always a big Seal Award Seal Award was so hot, and then one day she became old. You, you know what? She's still amazing. No, I still not. love... Yes, she is. No, so Sisters was a bit of a big deal. The thing I remember that was weird with Sisters, Shout Factory, by the way, just put this out, so I, I love the way they discover classic TV and cult TV and just get behind it, but the thing about Sisters was it, it, it always felt like 
back when shows were supposed to start their seasons in the fall and sort of end, you know, before the summer, Sisters would, like, start in the summer and then it'd be off for two years and then it would come back in the spring. It had this really weird schedule. So uh, it, never re- it ran very erratically and never really kind of caught fire that way. Uh, here's what I'm going to want to make mention of real quickly, and I'll let you uh, uh, hit a few things. Uh, Wait, what am I doing? Uh, oh, okay. the, 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 oh, some, yeah. We got some kind of Emmy-ish, oh, yeah. Emmy-ish stuff there, and I know you were you were up to your yeah. neck in Emmys lately. So, how were the Emmys, by the way? Didn't you, watch one second of it. But you you had to you you, you like you produce it or you? Uh, I don't. I do not something. produce the you, Emmys. You you think I produce <laughs> the Emmys? If I produce the Emmys, I would not be doing this podcast. I guess. Actually, that's not true because no. I love doing the podcast. Well, of course. But I'm do. saying that you know I would yeah. not be doing this podcast. Yeah. Because I'd be too busy because I'm producing the goddamn Emmys. Yeah. Well. Or, or, By the way, can we swear now? Uh, I Jen, I don't know if I Jen wanted us to swear or not. We assume they didn't. We can, can we swear? We can, but then I have to put a rating onto the actual upload. So you that do not. I do. Really? Yeah. What's well, the I rating? mean, I could. I don't know. You can you can choose TV or movie or video game ratings, or maybe we can invent our own rating system. We can come up with our own ratings. Cryptic, a for like, awesome. Yeah, A for awesome, or like uh, you L know, for lame. Like like NA thirty seven, no adults uh, over thirty seven allowed to listen to the show. I don't know. It's possible. So DC is kind of killing it on television. Uh, you know, we have three DC seasons of really cool shows out here. The complete first season of Gotham. Uh, I, you know, jury's still out a little bit on whether or not anybody really wants to watch a prequel series to Batman that has no Batman that just sort of has this is this is how the you know all the this is how Batman's world. It's sort of like the 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 world of, that Batman will eventually inhabit while it's in the womb without Batman. It's a it's a it's, it's Batman babies. It's Batman babies without <laughs> Batman. Yeah, uh, but you know what it. Um, uh, it's it's it, it, it's got a certain cool vibe to it. It uh, it's interesting. It lives in this you know this new DC world that is darker and more brooding than anything that uh, ever existed in the comics, and that's okay. Uh, and that whole that brings us to the show that sort of started that whole vibe, which is Arrow, which is now in its third season, out also on a uh, Blu-ray and digital HD uh, ultraviolet set, uh, just in time for the new season to start up on the CW and. Um, you know what? Taking away his little uh, his little Robin Hood cap and giving him a, a really brooding hood uh, has done wonders. Uh, this is a this is a really cool show, and the way they've reinvented the character for television is pretty great. Uh, and it's very faithful to the comics. And uh, you get you know Black Canary is in it, and it's it's just there. It's really cool. If you're a, if you're a fan of the comics, you totally vibe to it. And that dovetailed us into The Flash, which is in its uh, first season. This is also coming out now, a new season on the CW. Also a Blu-ray digital HD ultraviolet set. And uh, this is super cool as well. Uh, the previ- Did you ever watch The Flash in the previous series? Yeah, with uh, whatever the, it was, 15, 16 years ago, whenever yes, it was. Yes, I watched a couple episodes. It, di- it, it died a moderately quick death. Meh. It was, it, that sort of felt like a, like a cooler version of the, of the, uh, the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man series. Remember Nicholas Hammond from the oh, I used to that, that show sucked, but that I used to watch terrible. it because that was the only TV Spider-Man we had. Well, yeah, because he was, you know, he was uh, Hans or Schmutz or whatever his name was on The Sound of Music, and, and he grew up and he became Spider-Man. And I thought, oh, the kid from The Sound of Music, he's Spider-Man. Everybody tuned in for four or five episodes, and then they just thought... Why am I watching the kid from The Sound of Music be Spider-Man? And then it died. Yeah, that, it wasn't that, very that, good. that show sucked. Yeah. But anyway, The Flash, the previous Flash, was sort of a little bit like that. Did, I, did, you, did you know that I tried writing a spec for that uh, previous Flash series? You didn't know that, did you? I did not. I did. I tried writing a spec. 
Interior yeah. bank. Bad guy walks in, says, and give me money. Flash <laughs> comes in, saves you know, day, the end. You know what happened? I was halfway through and the show got canceled. <laughs> you, know why they, you know what? They would rather cancel the show than read your script. It probably. That's what happened. Anyway, that's always my fate, you know. Always been my fate. Anyway, carry on. Uh, wait, I'm very glad to say that Modern Family did not win one goddamn Emmy this uh, last yeah. week because uh, I'm tired of the show. You know, this show, I guess, was funny and fresh and single camera at the beginning. Now I'm feeling like it's getting a little bit desperate. Everyone's running around swatting drones with a broom and getting naked and falling in a pool. It's just <laughs> I'm just getting a little tired of it. It's a complete sixth season. Is uh, now out on DVD, of course, no Blu-ray, and a uh, bunch of special features, um, including a day with Julie Bowen, and Julie Bowen's always very entertaining. Anyway, the show, if you're a completist, you're going to get it because you love Modern Family. I'm getting a little tired of it. Um, the Last Man on Earth, the first season, this is a very interesting show because it comes to you from the good folks who did uh, 22 Jump Street and 21 Jump Street. Um, this is all, these are also the guys who brought you the Lego movie. So um, I cannot recommend uh, Last Man on Earth enough. I think this is a really interesting show. It's uh, Will Forte plays, uh, let's just say, The Last Man on Earth. Yeah. And he's walking around Mexico and Canada, United States, and he winds up back in Tucson, and uh, it's just a really interesting, funny show. Of course, it turns out he is not The Last Man on Earth, but uh, you will find out when you watch this because it is totally worth it. It was, no, it was up for four Emmys. Can't beat that. Um, the Goldbergs is a show on, on ABC that uh, it kind of it keeps going, but it's one of those shows that nobody loves it. It doesn't do great, but it does just well enough that why the hell not renew it? One of those sort of shows. I don't like this show. However, I applaud it because it gives George Siegel work, and George Siegel is one of my favorite uh, uh, movie actors uh, of my youth. I love George Siegel, fun with Dick and Jane, all sorts of great movies. So I would, I would uh, check this out just because uh, of George Siegel. Uh, Empire, the complete first season. Empire, of course, the Fox phenomenon. This thing is this thing. It w- this thing truly was a phenomenon. This thing would pick up viewers every week. Every week got a better number than the week before. Because and it, it came on after crazy. American Idol. Came on after American but Idol. All, it was just big. People were sitting there watching American Idol on their fat asses, and American Idol ends, and like American, like true Americans, they're sitting there shoving their face with food at nine o'clock at night or whatever. And American Idol ends, and they're just too lazy to reach the remote and change the channel, so you they know watch what? this thing, which I, you is know basically, what? I don't let's know. face it. It's, uh, dyna- it's, it's Dynasty with a black cast. That's, that's fine. The, the, title, the title is even derivative of Dynasty. So oh, it's not Dynasty. It's an empire. So what? Who cares? Eh, I, know, I mean, look, people just... love, look, that audience loves that show. It's, 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 it's a big, ridiculous, crazy nighttime soap opera that it became a, tr- it literally, it, it just became a phenomenon. It's it was nominated those, for two Emmys, didn't win, didn't win either one. But uh, it's just one of those things where I feel like I, I look. I'm I'm happy for Lee Daniels. I mean, you know, th- as long as this show keeps going, it keeps him from making movies, and that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. Just keep that man away from movies, and I'm I'm thrilled. Uh, very happy for him. I mean, he's earned his success. He really has. Uh, but man, the actors on this show, they all deserve better work. I just think. Oh, I, I think they're having a blast playing these ridiculously uh, over-the-top characters. Um, anyway, obviously there's a season two of uh, Empire. Until then, we have the complete first season on uh, Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Now, wait. You were you you were talking about this. You were getting ready to talk about that. Yeah. I'll. I'll. Yeah. Let me. Let me. Uh, here, let me. Let me. I'll blow through a few of these things real quickly. Um, oh, you'll blow all right. Yes, I will. Uh, NCIS has already been done to death on DVD, so now they're doing the best of Abby. Uh, this is the this is the new thing that we're doing with a lot of shows. You uh, you pick a character and then you pick the uh, you, you give them a special little uh, collection of profile episodes. So yeah, Abby Abby Shuto. Uh, these are the episodes, the twelve episodes that her fans apparently love the most. Uh, whatever. Uh, you know, this is really interesting. Uh, the Jinx, the life and to- the life and deaths of Robert Durst. Um, this is uh, this is on Blu-ray uh, with digital HD, meaning ultraviolet in this case. And uh, this is if you're this is essentially the uh, the show, the HBO show that caught him on uh, basically confessing to the murders that he never was never convicted of, that nobody could ever pin on him. And they caught him on you know on a on a kind of off mic, and uh, this whole thing just is it, it turned into like a gigantic. I mean, this is the show that basically caught a murderer. You realize that this show caught a murderer. I mean, they they created a documentary show about this crazy real estate heir tycoon guy who uh, everyone had always thought was a murderer. They could never pin it on him, and the show winds up convicting him. It's, an, it's like an amazing television legendary thing. It's never you know what? Before. All guilty people want to get caught. Yeah, I, I kind of believe that on some level. Anyway, so, uh, you know, three murders over the course of 30 years. Nobody could pin it on him. And then the, 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 the show caught him basically confessing off mic. It was crazy, crazy. So really interesting stuff. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, bravo to HBO on that one. And then uh, Sleepy Hollow, the complete second season, leading in with a new season that is showing up on Fox on Thursdays. Um, you know, I don't particularly care for this show. I think it's really forcing it. Uh, I like the movie, though. The Tim Burton film. Yeah, I did, too. But, I mean, that's not... Th- this is the whole... This, this is the new thing. We're tired of vampires on TV, right? We're tired of the werewolves on TV and the zombies. So now we've moved into the whole fairy tale thing. That's the new deal. Dark. I dark. am not tired of zombies. I'm not. Zombies are awesome. Uh, New Girl, the fourth season. Can't believe it's on four years already. Uh, Zoe Deschanel, by the way, taking a break from the show because she, you know, because she's like having a baby and that whole thing. But uh, still, a really fun show. I, I'm happy that it's run. For, I didn't think it would last for four seasons because I didn't think anybody was watching it. Uh, fifth season of Blue Bloods is also out there with the ageless uh, Tom Selleck, who for some just ungodly reason seems to have made a, a deal with some kind of demon to not age. Tell me, that, has he aged at all in 35 years? Yes, he has. He's, no. aged, he's aged 35 years. No, he hasn't. Look at him. He looks the same as he did in Magnum P.I. Well, because he's exactly he, the same. Because he, uh, he had plastic surgery no, and his he hair hasn't. died. <laughs> he didn't. He's ageless. He did not have his hair died. He's ageless. Anyway, on A&E, there was a show called The Returned. This is based on a French show. And uh, The Returned is uh, all about uh, the small town in uh, Washington where uh, people who were... Uh, Previously dead have returned to life and returned to their families. So they have returned to their families and they got to figure out what happened and reintegrate themselves into uh, society. This thing was uh, developed and executive produced by Carlton Cuse from Lost Fame. Um, this thing didn't go anywhere. Amy canceled it, but uh, now it's available on uh, DVD if you dig it. Called The Returned. Big Bang Theory. This piece of crap keeps going. Truly just the worst show ever. Season 8 on Blu-ray. And then this season, 
They make a lot of jokes about Star Trek, which is the same as every season. Mm -hmm. And then there's jokes about other nerd things that happen because uh, this show just is just so hack. I don't know. You know what? Email us at gods at digigods.com and tell us what, why you like the Big Bang Theory. And then um, it's nerds. We will unfriend you on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> it's nerds. It's you all know, about the nerds. That's just the worst. Yeah, it's all about the nerds. Aquarius is a uh, David Duchovny show. And, uh, you know, this thing uh, didn't go anywhere either. Actually, this is supposed to be David Duchovny's return to form after the X-Files. Well, the X-Files is coming back. So, you know, it's, uh, I'd rather see him in that. The company's had an interesting career. You know, he was big time on X-Files. Movie career never really took off. He winds up on Californication, which is one of those kind of cult shows that people either got or they didn't get. And now he was on NBC in the show Aquarius, the complete first season now on Blu-ray. And, uh, yeah, so uh, he plays a homicide detective, and he's investigating this cult leader, um, mainly Charles Manson, mm. um, in the years before he uh, – he, it was the years before the Tate LaBianca murders. But um, so it's got some real-world resonance to it, and it is the return of Duchovny, but in the end – People didn't care. This thing's done. And then there's an interesting Emmy-nominated uh, thing with called Nightingale. Uh, HBO uh, put this on. It's basically a one-man show. David Oyelowo as a uh, as a vet uh, who's having kind of a psychotic break and who's dealing with all kinds of stuff. It's just a one-man performance. It's really fantastic. Uh, Oyelowo is the man of the moment, right? He's you know, great. Love he's him. fantastic. Great British actor. He's had you know his bits in uh, Jack Reacher and a few other things, and then he played Martin Luther King. Kind of got that was the big breakthrough. Did not get an Oscar nomination, should which have. should have, but not getting one almost played better for him career wise. You know, the, and and he has another film that just opened called Captive, uh, based on that actual event. The guy who uh, you know uh, killed all the people in the courtroom and then took that woman hostage, and then she read the the book to him by purpose the. Driven life. Purpose Driven Life and made him... Anyway, so that just opened. Uh, have you seen that? Uh, I, yes, I have seen it because my wife actually worked on it for better part of a year. Do I need to bring the mic closer to Yes, I think you do. Oh. Yes. Too lazy. Yeah. Anyway, oh, yellow, it's, it, and it's good. It's good. And Oyelowo is great in it. I mean, he's the, he's he's the, the man. He's I the man. Yep. He is the man. So uh, he's the man of the moment. Nightingale's really good. Uh, let me just uh, wipe out the, the last handful of uh, television for us here, uh, and then I'll do our giveaways. Uh, Outlander, the, uh, in a collector's edition Blu-ray, season one, volume two, uh, with season two on the offing now uh, from Stars next year. There is an extended episode here. It comes real splashy uh, packaging with a uh, little lenticular cover. And, uh, you know, the, the, the whole kind of weird time-tripping, time-traveling uh, concept of this thing going into the Scottish past. Uh, if you haven't watched the show, you might want to check it out. It's a really, it's an, it's a really interesting show, um, kind of classic Ronald D. Moore stuff. And uh, I, the, you know, it's interesting. There are excerpts from the scripts in this. They have a special souvenir booklet here, and there are excerpts from the scripts, and it gives you a, a better insight into how the show is put together. I think this show has a, an interesting future. I'm curious to see where it goes. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, season two. Uh, Andy Samberg did a bang-up job hosting the Emmys, even though it's the lowest-rated Emmys in history. But this is a very funny show. Very funny show. Good cast. Uh, a lot of fun, uh, you know. It's it, a good cop comedy. Is, has not we haven't had one on TV for ages, and uh, that's it's fun to have. God, would you say it has kind of a get smart feel to it? Maybe a little bit. No, nothing has a get okay. smart feel to it except get smart. Okay. How dare you, sir? Good sir. Uh, Bring not, up get smart. I know. 
without uh, saying it's the funniest thing ever. Stephen King has inspired the show Haven, which is now that's uh, like Get Smart. That's like Get Smart. Haven, which is in its uh, volume one of season five on Blu-ray, and uh, not great. Uh, it, it, Stephen King's name is kind of all it has going for it. And then a bunch of CW shows are, um, are out also. Uh, Supernatural season 10 um, is coming back as well. That's out now on Blu-ray and digital HD. We've talked about that to death in the past. Uh, I, Zombie, complete first season. This is also continuing on the CW. I... I I applaud them for thinking that they can squeeze more out of the zombie genre on television than they have previously. Um, and this is, uh, you know what, I, it's good, it, fine. It's a, it's a nice new twist on it, but uh, I don't know if it's going to last beyond another season, maybe two. And then another another new show on the CW with uh, that is continuing is uh, the wonderful Gina Rodriguez in Jane the Virgin, uh, which is... Uh, a very smart show, and I think uh, will probably be on a little bit, uh, a little bit longer. It's edgy, but it's not offensive. Interesting premise, and um, I think uh, Gina Rodriguez has a real future. I like really? her a lot. You think so? I do. I really do. I think she's. I think she's. I think she's sharp. She. She Golden Globe, right? She got a Golden Globe. That's, that was yeah. a surprise Golden Globe win. It was, but it shows you how how she sort of uh, you know soaked into the into the zeitgeist. And then, real quickly, some classic television that's out as well: the Peanuts Emmy Honored Collection, which is uh, two Emmy winning and nine Emmy nominated Peanuts specials. Uh, people have been kind of getting fatigued of a lot of the Peanuts stuff because they've been releasing all the kind of second tier stuff. This is the Emmy winning stuff. If you just want to go straight to the stuff, or the Emmy winning and the Emmy nominated, you just you just want to go to the award worthy stuff. This is it. It's a great collection, four hours worth of stuff. Uh, Hee Haw Collection. Hee Haw, they're never going to release the complete Hee Haw because Hee Haw, this is like 850,000 hours of Hee Haw. Hee Haw was a very simple premise. Um, I actually saw a lot of the stuff where they shot Hee Haw when I was visiting family back in the 1970s when I was a little kid. And uh, Hee Haw was basically laugh-in for rednecks. That's it. It's laugh-in for hicks. If you uh, look at laugh-in and you think that's just too sophisticated New York and coastal... Hoo-ha, give me some of that with, uh, you know, some hayseeds and mini pearl. Well, there it was. Uh, great performances here, though. Conway Twitty, Loretta Lynn, uh, Merle Haggard, T- Hank Williams Jr., Tammy Wynette. Really good stuff. So this is, uh, you know, it's a three-DVD set. The first time we've ever had any hee-haw on, uh, on, on DVD. Uh, and then Hill Street Blues, season six. Always a classic. When the Heart Call, uh, When Calls the Heart, Heart and Home from the Hallmark Channel. Uh, Midnight Masquerade, also from the Hallmark Channel. And then uh, season four of Fran Drescher and the Nanny, where she just winds her way through the whole thing. And uh, there You're it is. way blowing through the TV. Blowing through the TV. This is the new Wade. You know what? I like this new Wade. You like this new Wade? All right. Because the, the, the old Wade would have spent 15 minutes on the Nanny. Here is our giveaway. Again, our, what? We got two giveaways. So we're giving away uh, Modern Family Season 6 and Last Man on Earth. Um, go ahead and uh, email us. At gods at digigods.com. Gods at digigods.com. We are giving away Modern Family Season 6 and Last Man on Earth Season 1, which we just talked about. Uh, uh, the, we should get these no later. Make sure your emails get to us no later than uh, Sunday the 27th of September. Sunday the 27th of September. And then uh, we will have them sent to you directly from the, uh, from the publicist. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, both of those shows, you know, they're... they're 
I mean, they have, both shows have followings. You know, one is is a classic show now, Modern Family, Last Man on Earth. I'm just shocked at how that's kind of hanging in there. I didn't think they'd be able to make a go of it, but they are. It's getting Emmy nominations, the whole deal. So you can only you can only apply for one. So uh, you got to pick one of these two uh, to go with. And if you want Modern Family, just send us uh, an email with "modern" in the subject line. Modern. And if you want to go with Last Man on Earth, just put Earth in the subject. Uh, so either Modern for uh, Modern Family or Earth for Last Man on Earth. And uh, email us at godsatdigigods.com. Include your name and your address in the body of the email. And um, get it to us no later than Sunday, the 27th of September. And we will uh, pick one lucky person for each title. And by the way, that's we're doing this. We did two this week. Why? As a thank you. Right. Right? Yeah. We are brand new. No IGN. It is only us. It is Digigods. We have a whole plan. We got synagogues.com coming up, of which the plan is hopefully that the Digigods will be a subsection of synagogues. Yes, and 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 by the way, we are not the only people who will be involved in synagogues. We have uh, we're pulling in some of our uh, some of our dear friends and colleagues to be part of it. So we want it to be a you know the the pantheon of gods is growing. Yes. Yes. We want your uh, we want your comments on Facebook. We want to keep uh, the Facebook page growing. Give us your uh, thoughts on the new show. What you'd like to see. What you, are we talking about more stuff? What yeah. you'd like to see. What you wouldn't like to see. We are not doing an hour and a half show. No, I know. Right. We're, we're just gonna. We got. We got a few more things. This to, is the uh, new show. This is where Mark says the show's done now. Yeah. Because you know, Mark has to go. Hit see. some. Hit some. Hit some music for us, and then uh, I will take us out with some foreign and some uh, classic stuff. Oh, Wade. Van Morrison, another glorious decade. I love this because I love Van Morrison. You know, Van Morrison has been around forever. Oh, my God, has he been around forever. And he keeps making good music. And here in uh, another glorious decade, we have a bunch of uh, archive footage, live footage, studio footage, uh, new interviews with, um, you know, folks who work with Van throughout the years. And uh, this is great. I mean, there haven't, there's been some documentary work on Van Morrison, nothing um, definitive. This is I wouldn't call this definitive, but... It's got a lot of great music in it, and uh, that's all that uh, I really care about. So, Van Morrison, um, Salad Days is a very interesting documentary about punk music. Um, it kind of examines the early punk scene in Washington, D.C. Now, when you think of punk music, you don't think of Washington, D.C., and when you think of Washington, D.C., you don't think of punk music. But there was a lot of bands, and some of them you've heard of, Bad Brains, I know you've heard of, Government Issue you might have heard of. Um, Fugazi I had heard of but didn't really like because they were too obnoxious for me. Um, these are the bands that started in D.C. So if you're talking about um, like from 1980 to about 1990 and you like punk music, uh, check out Salad Days. It's a little tiny uh, subset of punk music in its earliest, earliest days, and uh, it's interesting stuff. We also have um, ELO. I was a big fan of ELO growing up with Jeff Lynne. And his I very loved ELO. And uh, Jeff Lynne's very distinctive um, Phil Spector-esque wall of sound type production uh, production uh, values and uh, this is ELO uh, live in Hyde Park it has a lot of their classic hits this is from 2014 um, Evil Woman and Living Thing and Strange Magic and Sweet Talking Woman I did like ELO a lot and I have to say that when I watch this I realize that um, I like ELO I really do I don't know what to say it's great the, I know the good thing, here's the thing, they, ELO has a very specific sound that you're afraid it was not going to date that well. And even though the sound itself hasn't dated that well, the songwriting is there. 
And that kind of carries it. Yeah, you know, you know who made ELO? Kelly Groca. I, I don't know why I'm saying that. Uh, that that's meaningless. Exactly. Anyway, yeah. this uh, this uh, Blu-ray ELO live at Hyde Park also uh, contains a documentary uh, all about Jeff Lynn and ELO. You gotta love that. George Strait, the cowboy rides uh, away. This is uh, George Strait live from AT&T Stadium. I do not like country music, however, George Strait. I do like the old school guys. And George Strait is uh, not not like Patsy Cline, old school, which I love, mm. um, but like kind of like you know new old school nice. in a way, I guess. So I can handle this, mm. although I skimmed it because I don't like country music. Um, also, we have uh, Pat Metheny. Now, Pat Metheny, he was a uh, kind of a culty guy from the seventies and eighties, and uh, here we have the Unity Sessions. The this nudity sessions. The unity sessions. Oh, I was gonna say I don't want to see Pat Metheny with his clothes off. Let me tell you something. Pat, you realize that Pat Metheny has won twenty Grammys. Really? He has won 20 Grammys. You're so kidding me. So Metheny is, is the real thing. Holy cow. So, uh, yeah, so this is a great live performance in uh, New York City. It's a great uh, little uh, primer on his music. If, if you have never heard of him and you like that kind of 70s, uh, synthy, kind of rocky vibe. Anyway, that's good stuff. Finally, we have um, Aerosmith Rocks Donington in 2014. This is a weird CD, DVD. This is um, got two... CDs and a Blu-ray. It is not. It is packaged like a CD, so you might walk right by it at the store. But it's called Aerosmith Rocks Donington, and uh, I never heard of Donington until I uh, picked up this uh, CD Blu-ray set. Anyway, they play a lot of their classic songs, of course, uh, "Living on the Edge" and "Danny's Got a Gun" and "Crying." So we've heard all this stuff before. Uh, the world does not want for Aerosmith live records, but um, the DVD, uh, the Blu-ray is good. Because it was 2014, so the uh, the audio and video nice. are just fantastic. So, if you love Aerosmith, uh, definitely check out Aerosmith Rocks Donington. All right, Mark, I'm going to haul here on on some classic stuff because we got weeks of this that piled up, and I want people to know that this is out there, so you can uh, you can run and grab some. And by the way, by the way, uh, new thing on the podcast: go to digigods.com. All of the stuff that we've talked about today. Uh, will be the, we're going to have the list of every single title we've talked about. All of it is linked to Amazon, so that's a whole new thing. So you can find if you if you're like, oh, what was that movie they were talking about? Where do I? Get? It, it's all there, and we have Amazon links for all of it, so you can it'll k- take you right on over, and you can uh, you know. You're you, doing that. Yep. You are do you are going to actually personally Wade Major Wade Xavier Major. He's going what to I mean, do what, the linky link where what, you go to is what, I've been doing, what do you think I've been doing for the last few weeks? I don't know what they'll even do for the last the whole, few weeks. I'm, I'm working here. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing the do. When, when, when does Synagogue's launch? Uh, I, I give it an, you know, I got to get, I got Film Week this week uh, for, if anybody wants to, you know, you search on Film Week and you can find me there as well or Please go don't. to Please Southern don't. California Public Radio, scpr.org, and you Please can don't. listen to me rambling with Andy Klein on Friday. Uh, yeah, I got to get that out of the way and then I can focus on it next week. I'm thinking maybe two weeks. Okay, so two weeks for the website, but... Obviously, as you can tell, because yes. you're listening to this now, the podcast continues. Well, it continues. We're, we're, we have a page at Libsyn. And, uh, no, well, what is that page? Uh, that's digigods.com. Got That'll it. take you over there. Uh, digigods. Digigods.libsyn.com as well. But uh, digigods.com carries you to that page. And until we have our dedicated uh, section on synagogues, that will be the home. But it'll, it, all, the, all the linking will work for the time being. You, 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 now, you figured all this out yourself. Do you realize what would happen if uh, I had to I'm, figure this out? I'm not, I'm not remedial or anything. You know, I am. I, I am able to put my pants on. If, if I had Otherwise, to do a I'd be sitting here naked across from you, and this show would never happen. Oh, that'll always be the dream. Yeah. If, if I had to do like a Libsyn link to the Amazon thing, this show would be dead in the water. <laughs> Nothing would happen. 
Well, I made it all work. So, uh, real quickly, I want to burn through some uh, some Kino stuff first. Uh, Kino, of course, has the Studio Classics line where they're releasing mostly, you know, Fox and MGM titles. Uh, Moby Dick, the classic John Huston uh, adaptation of the Melville legendary novel, um, is out, which uh, features a rather fascinating screenplay by Ray Bradbury and John Huston. When will you ever see those two names together there's again. actually They're a book dead, so never but there is a book yep which i read yeah all about ray bradbury's experience going to ireland to write that film with john houston who would why why hire ray bradbury i mean it's a great script because john houston was a huge fan of ray bradbury and so and so houston brought bradbury to ireland to write that script and there's a book which i cannot remember the title of you well, know I'll, I'll look it up right now actually i own the book here's but the, i can't remember the title here's the inside baseball deal uh this is only a dvd Normally, this would be a Blu-ray. That leads me to believe that Twilight Time or someone else actually has the Blu-ray rights, because that's what's happening lately, is that Kino is getting a lot of DVD rights where Twilight Time is getting Blu-ray rights on a lot of these titles. So. Green Shadows, White Whale. That is the name of the book, and it is all about... Um, it's, it, it's, a, it's, a bit, it's a bit fictional, but it's all based on fact. Why do you think it is important for Moby Dick to be coming out right now? You know the answer, because In the Heart of the Sea is coming out soon. Ron Howard film. Whoa. Right? Which is Whoa. the true story of Moby Dick and, and how and how Thor came down and, and killed the whale. Uh, and then here are some other titles. We got a Western called Billy Two Hats with Gregory Peck and Desi Arnaz Jr. Uh, not a great film, but uh, interesting because it was directed by Ted Kotcheff, who in 1973 was just getting his career going and uh, would go on to do great things like Uncommon Valor and uh, a lot of great TV work. Uh, Chris Christopherson and Jan Michael Vincent really mix it up in Vigilante Force. This is good trash. Anything with Jan Michael Vincent is good trash. Uh, Gene Corman, Roger Corman's brother, uh, produced this. And George Armitage wrote and directed it and would go on to be uh, quite, a, quite a good uh, director in his own right. Uh, Rock Hudson and Sylvia Koshina. These are all Blu-rays, by the way, now. These are all Blu-rays. Uh, Rock Hudson and Sylvia Koshina in Hornet's Nest which is a pretty kind of generic 1970 action film. Pretty cheesy, dates poorly. It has a great score by uh, Ennio Morricone, though. Uh, the Honey Pot with Rex Harrison and Susan Hayward. Uh, wonderful performances in this. Uh, this is a Joseph L. Mankiewicz film. Not his best, but all, anything Mankiewicz is, is better than in most things not, even if it's something you know dismal like Cleopatra. Maggie Smith is wonderful. Cliff Robertson's also in this. Uh, and, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of a classic Rex Harrison film. Um, but, uh, you know, again, not Joseph L. Mankiewicz's best. Good score by uh, John Addison. And uh, worth checking out primarily if you're a Rex Harrison fan. Uh, Jan Michael Vincent also in Defiance, which is a pretty crappy movie, except for the fact that it's got Art Carney in it, who's always fun to watch. And uh, going through House of the Long Shadows, also with Desi Arnaz Jr., John Carradine, and the classic trio of uh, hammer horror people, Vincent Price, Christopher Lee, and Peter Cushing. Uh, Anytime you get those three in a movie, you know it's going to be a smashing good time. This is a weird reteaming of them that was orchestrated in 1983 by Menachem Golan and Yoram Globus as part of the whole canon thing where they were kind of trying to... uh, Gain a little bit of legitimacy. It has two audio commentaries on it, one by Pete Walker, who uh, directed it, a uh, great you know, exploitation film guy, and uh, the other one by film historian David Del Valle. Uh, you know what? Not a great film, but a significant film and really interesting, and the commentaries are terrific. So uh, you know, if, if Pete Walker is just a legend for these kind of movies. 
Uh, Ray Liotta and Linda Fiorentino in Unforgettable, which is totally forgettable. Um, another one of these generic thrillers by John Dahl. This is one of his minor ones. He's had some better ones. This was 1996 when his, his career was really kind of uh, not in a great place. Hidden Agenda is a Ken Loach film that uh, caught all kinds of flack at the time based on true events. Uh, very controversial. Uh, Francis McDormand is wonderful. Brian Cox is brilliant. Uh, really, uh, really definitely worth checking out. This is a 1990 film. Um, almost done here. Let's see. got five more from the, uh, the whole Kino deal. Uh, the Satan Bug is a John Sturges film that stars uh, George Maharis, Richard Basehart, and Francis and Dana Andrews. Decent kind of noir. Uh, you know, good Jerry Goldsmith score as well. I love the music in a lot of these things. The Destructors, also known as the Marseille Contract, another uh, kind of a cool 70s-era um, you know, action thriller with Michael Caine, Anthony Quinn, and James Mason. Good cast. Uh, Busting uh, with Elliot Gould and Robert Blake, uh, you know, kind of a generic 70s-era cop film uh, directed by Peter Hyams, who was just getting his career on track at that time. Wrote and directed it, produced by uh, Winkler and Chardoff, just before they were going to go and break through with Rocky and the right stuff and all the rest of that. So interesting to see what they were doing when they were just uh, kind of uh, tilling the soil. Uh, Robert Mitchum and Andy Dickinson in Young Billy Young, which is a mediocre Western distinguished only by a really good performance by Robert Mitchum, made in 1969, uh, just when everything was kind of turning. And uh, lastly, Robert Mitchum is the only decent thing, once again, in Man with the Gun, uh, which was a, uh, you know, kind of another generic Western from 1955, uh, but a nice transfer nonetheless. So that's what we have in that account. And Mark, are you a fan, by chance, of uh, Jean-Jacques Hano? Yes, I am. You remember The Bear? Yes, I do. Okay. You know, he's got a new film out. Which I have seen half of. Yeah, did you did you watch half of it, the Wolf movie? Yes, I did. Wolf yeah, Totem. Yeah, Wolf Totem. What'd you With think of it? It's good. Did you see it? I did. I I I, th- I thought it's. I you know you realize they raised those wolves. We can talk about this stuff now. They raised those wolves as from pups for several years and trained them for like two or three years in preparation for making that film. That's what Jean Jacques Hano does. That is cray cray. It is insane, and he had to get specialists like a special papal dispensation from the Chinese government to make the film because he was still persona non grata for making Seven Years in Tibet. Like he was banned from China, and when the producers of that film said, "Hey, how about getting that guy that you don't like?" and the government said, "No, not going to happen." And they said, "How about would you would you be nice to him if he's nice to you and promises not to say like anti-communist things?" And apparently they worked something out and they let him back in China and Inner Mongolia, and he made uh, Wolf Totem. Which I think is oh, is is not great, but anyway, the bear, uh, his best animal movie, I think. The bear is great. Twenty fifth anniversary collector's edition is now out. I'm just saying, it's I good. Go nuts! It's really good. I like this movie. I like him a lot. And then, uh, just winding us up now that we are right at the very end, I want to make mention of a of a, just a few criterions, three criterions in particular this week, and then some Warner Archive stuff, and then we're done. Uh, the criterions are the Kieslowski film Blind Chance. Christoph Kieslowski, who did Three Colors, Red, White, and, or Blue, White, and Red, as well as uh, The Double Life of Veronique, most of his films are not known here. It's like those two and then the Decalogue. So uh, hopefully this means that Criterion will be getting a lot of his other earlier stuff, like Camera Buff, which is brilliant, and uh, getting it out here because all of his films are masterpieces. Uh, I am a huge fan of Kieslowski. This is a great, great, great film from 1981, Blind Chance, 
you, you just absolutely have to see it. It is, it is an extraordinary story of a medical student uh, and it, how he deals, you know, how he navigates all the political strictures of uh, living in, a, in a, an oppressive Polish state. Really, really awesome. Great film. Originally banned by the government. Tons of good extras and uh, a beautiful transfer. So there's that. And then we have a couple of great films uh, from Bruce Beresford. Breaker Morant. Many consider this uh, his best film, even better Classic, than Driving Miss Daisy. my favorite films of all time. Great, isn't it? 1980. Fantastic. Favorite films of all time. Awesome. Favorite films of all time. Great. Blu-ray of Breaker Morant from Criterion. Me. Give it to me. No, never. It's fantastic. Edward Woodward, it's the best thing ever. And then a Bruce Beresford film, which was one of the first films that I actually reviewed as a young film critic in 1990, Mr. Johnson, uh, which I'm, I'm amazed that this has actually become a Criterion uh, edition. This is a, this is a really great film. Uh, and it's perfectly suited to go along with Breaker Morant, which is a whole takes place in South Africa. This is uh, about this Maynard Iziashi, who's a wonderful actor, plays a Nigerian villager who's in uh, colonial Nigeria who's uh, trying to work with Pierce Brosnan to sort of you know bring himself up and have a better life. And uh, it's, uh, it's a, what eventually happens is a devastating look at the price of colonialism for, for colonized peoples. It's, just, it's based on a famous 1939 novel, and uh, it is a beautiful film that got no traction at the time. And so I applaud Criterion for picking it up and uh, giving it a second life uh, alongside Breaker Morant. And then uh, lastly, Warner Archive always releases great stuff. We've got three new Blu-rays from Warner Archive, which are very rare, but worth noting. The Hunger, uh, the first big Tony Scott film, which uh, you know a lot of people consider, in some respects, his most stylish film. Catherine Deneuve, uh, David Bowie, Susan Sarandon, a sexy, weird, funky vampire movie, um, is out on, uh, on Blu-ray from the Warner Archive collection as is The World According to Garp with the late Robin Williams, one of his best performances. Love this movie. George Roy Hill, absolutely. George Roy Hill. Still love this movie. Love it too. Uh, Oscar nomination for, uh, for that guy from Third Rock. John from Lithgow. The Sun. Yeah. Guy from third, he's the Third Rock from the Sun guy, right? Yes, Lithgow? he is. Yeah, that's how I know him, you know. Uh, and then for some strange reason, the Warner Archive Collection has released a Blu-ray of Showdown in Little Tokyo, which I never would have imagined. Uh, Dolph Lundgren and Brandon Lee, also the late Brandon Lee, uh, who perished on the set of uh, the, uh, the Crow. Um, directed by Mark Lester, whose career has subsequently sort of evaporated. And, you know, I, this is a very strange film for them to release. I'm not quite sure why this gets the Blu-ray treatment. It must be because there's like a cult martial arts uh, following for this film or something. But anyway, it's okay. It's not a bad film. It's just I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have imagined it a candidate for a Blu-ray. And then on DVD, the, uh, the DVD-R releases, the MOD Manufacture On Demand releases from Warner Archives. Some really, really fun classic stuff. Uh, Rosalind Russell, Don Amici, and Kay Francis in The Feminine Touch, which is uh, a lot of fun. Uh... And then we have John Gilbert, the great late John Gilbert in uh, The Phantom of Paris, which is fantastic, as well as uh, Way for a Sailor. Not the easiest uh, title to roll off the lips, but it's got a great cast here as well. Uh, Leela Hyams is in both of these as well, uh, and Wallace Beery in, in this, along with John, uh, John Gilbert. And then lastly, a really interesting film by uh, W.S. Van Dyke, Eskimo, 
this is an early sound era film, 1934, uh, the first ever actually to receive an, award, an Oscar for editing. And uh, it, it kind of, you know, has that Nanook of the North feel to it. It's actually the first feature film ever shot in Alaska, shot in a Native American tongue. Um, and uh, it, it's, uh, it's worth checking out. It's a nice, interesting, ethnographic film that is not exploitative. It's about, you know, this guy making this, map, this trek across the tundra just to be able to trade skins for a rifle. That's the whole thing. And, and there's, a, there's some interesting little kind of ancillary uh, um, little you know subplots and things to it. But it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good film. It's well ahead of its time and uh, very, very well done. So uh, and, you know, Van Dyke is kind of a forgotten filmmaker of the period. So interesting 1934, very unusual film that uh, Warner Brothers has decided to dust off and, uh, and let people take a look at. Eskimo from the Warner Archive collection. All right, Mark, uh, we are going to uh, knock another show out next week and uh, continue to uh, get our shows going as we get the, uh, the website up and running. You realize you're going to beta test the thing once it's done being built. I am? Yeah, you're going to basically sit around, you're just going to click a lot, and you're going to send me emails and say, this is broken, this doesn't work, this works. I'm happy to do that. Cool. I'm on board. All right. You know why we're doing it? Why are we doing it? For our listeners. That's right. What do we do? What do we do this for our health? No. For the money? All right. So that's I it. I get paid so much for this podcast. Rick. Episode one. This we're starting all over. One. Episode one. Now, is it zero, zero, one, or is it just one? I don't know. It's, who knows? I don't it, it, It's some kind of an integer. What? An integer. I don't know what that is. I don't either. That's, I why, we, that's, why, we, that's why we do podcasting, because we, we don't know math. All right. See you next week. We'll be right back.